Welcome back to the SaderCast, everybody. I believe this is episode seven. Uh, episode seven, we have made it. Look at us. Yeah, and I'm you're, back. You're back. You're I, back. I yeah. had a week off. I was elsewhere, but um, it's been probably the craziest week span of my life, which I will talk about another time because right now we got to talk about a team who's been pretty good. A team who's been a little bit better than we've expected them uh, to. How about a lot better than we expected them to How about 4 0 oh, 1? Holy Cross men's hockey. Yeah, they're playing really, really well right receiving now. Receiving votes yes. in the polls. Yes, yes, they've received 20 votes, or I think maybe more than 20 votes. At in this the polls. point, it's probably more. Um, so they are doing extremely well. They're playing just great hockey. Obviously, we talked to Jack Ricketts a few weeks ago and talked to Liam McClinsky um, last week. You so, talked to Liam. Yeah, yeah. So I had the opportunity to talk to him. So. I mean, they just have a lot of confidence. I think that was a message that we got, and they just said that they're deep and they're gonna, they're not, you know, they're not gonna just run guys out here that they don't believe in. They just have a belief in a lot, all the lines that they're throwing out there, and I think that they're just doing really well because of that belief. And obviously, a four zero and one start is probably one of the best starts in school history, and two huge games for them this weekend. Yeah, of course, they're playing conference foe RIT who, if you remember, uh, last season ended their season in in the playoffs after being completely um, just the biggest underdogs of all time. I'm being yelled at through the window of the recording studio right now. We're not stopping. We're going, Augie. This is is entertainment. Okay. Um, So let's just talk about what's going right. Jack Ricketts is going right. Matt DeBoer is going right. Liam McClinsky is going right. And, of course, we can talk about as well – a freshman named Jack Stockfish, who has been climbing up the points chart right now. At the moment, he's got, uh, as I can see right now, one goal, two assists. Yes. One goal, two assists for a freshman on this team is pretty impressive. But, of course, they've lost one game, not in regulation, in overtime in the shootout to Robert Morris. They've won everything else. This includes UConn. Twice. A sweep of Home UConn. and away UConn. Obviously, we talked about that a lot Who last were ranked week. at the time, number 20. Yeah, obviously, and Brendan Jones was able to kind of give his insight on that last week. Course. But it's just it was just honestly really impressive to see them not only win at home on a Friday night, but then go into the University of Connecticut and not only beat the University of Connecticut, shut them out. Twice. At well, UConn. they beat them twice. Yeah, but shut yes. them out at UConn on the road. Grande, obviously Jason Grande, the goalkeeper. Playing out of his playing mind out of right his now. Mind. He just had one slip up late against Robert Morris, gave up two goals in the second game. Obviously not what they wanted, but a 4-0-1 start is... I mean, if you told those guys they'd be 4-0-1, I think they would call you crazy. We could also and talk about just that, – That's a start yeah. that they would dream of. And, you know, obviously leading the think, way. Think Jack about Rickets. a year ago right now. They yeah. were bad. Yeah. Like they, there's no beating around the bush. They were not a good hockey team I mean, at this time last year. Look what a year makes. It starts by winning games in the playoffs last year. You just start to gain confidence. And Jack Ricketts, the senior captain, three goals, three assists, six points already. So, I mean, that's where it starts. You I mean, when you have a senior captain, that's not – I mean, he's playing extremely well, and he's you know not just doing it all himself, but he's also assisting just as much as he's scoring goals. He's distributing. I mean, that's where it's going to really help the team a lot. And Liam McClinsky is just as the same. He also has three assists on the season. So, I mean, the best players on this team, they're distributing the puck, and they're giving opportunities to guys like Devin Phillips and Matt DeBoer and Matt Guerra. And Matt Alex DeBoer, Cicero. of course. Yeah. Do you know who his dad is? I do not. Head coach of the Dallas Stars. Yeah, that is fantastic. I mean, Hockey runs in that yeah. family, and it's showing this year. So we have a lot to talk about with men's hockey right now. Uh, but we can also talk about another sneaky good team on campus, a team that we've been expecting to turn the corner for a while. It looks like they're turning it. Women's hockey right now. So the record shows, uh, we'll pull it up in just a second, but it's only one official win on the year. I believe at the moment it is 1-4-1. One, and, one. and that one they gained two points from just because, I don't know, they, they make rules that way. They should have given Boston College the loss on that game, in my opinion, if you're going to give a team two points in overtime. But 1-4-1 right. right now for the Holy Cross women's team. But those four losses have come very close. Like, those games could have gone either way. I was, as some of you may know, uh, getting a pretty close look at that first Boston College matchup. Yes. We'll talk another time about that because I'm not here to talk about myself. But that game could have been won by Holy Cross very convincingly. It was a 1-2 to two final. The concern with that team during that game was, unfortunately, they went 0-6 for 6 on the power play, which when both of the Boston College goals came on the power play, pretty not good. 
Uh, that's what lost him the game, even though Madison Beck stood on her head the whole time. There was a great goal from Lane Lewis, and Millie Serum seemed to get a stick on it, but it did go to Lewis. And That is a fun team playing with a lot of heart right now, and I think they have finally got it together. Yeah, absolutely, and that team, they've had six, you said they're 1-4-1, six games in the season. Five of those games have come down to overtime. And the other one was a one-goal difference. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, they're in every single game, and they're in the Hockey East, which is the most premier hockey conference in America, and... You just have to speak to how impressive that they're playing right now. And regardless of what the record says, they're playing teams extremely close. They're taking teams down the wire. And there's a lot of confidence on that roster. And I think those losses, those really close losses, they're going to start turning into wins. And I think the Holy Cross women's hockey team is obviously the record isn't showing something that they might want to put on a banner. But this is a team that can do damage this year. And they're really kind of working together led by Captain Millie Serum, who we might hear from shortly. Uh, but What do you mean might hear from? Yeah. Let's just go to the interview right now. Millie Serum is going to give us an insight on the women's hockey team right now, her journey from Norway to the United States as a hockey player, and then we'll also talk about the upcoming games against Northeastern this weekend at the Heart Center. So joining us now is a senior on the Holy Cross women's hockey team, Millie Serum. Thank you for joining us on the Satercast today. Of course, anytime. Awesome. So first, let's just get to know you a little bit. Tell us about yourself, where you're from, what do you do at the school besides hockey, stuff like that. I'm from uh, Oslo, Norway, so my family's there. Uh, my mom's from New York City, though, so I have some family over there as well. But uh, I moved here about six, seven years ago, so I'm uh, pretty Americanized at this point. Um, but yeah, around campus, I honestly hang out with other teams. Um, I like to go shopping, cook, you know, go for walks on the trail around here. Um, yeah. yeah. Being from Norway, obviously, it's kind of a different environment there. Um, how did you get into hockey? I know it's probably a bigger sport, or it's a pretty big sport there, but kind of how did you get into starting to play hockey, and then how did you kind of get to Holy Cross? Um, I started playing when um, when I was eight. I was actually pretty late. Uh, it's a pretty late start for hockey players. Most kids start when they can walk uh so they're like three four years old my brother played since he was three so that kind of I was at the rink one day and this guy that um was the head of this girls team at the rink uh, where my brother played started talking to me and my parents um saying oh you should start playing so that's kind of how I started I was in uh, I figure skated for a couple of days and then I thought that was wasn't something for me um and my mom threw me into ballet as well but that was just not it so yeah hockey was uh was a thing for me Obviously it was. You were good enough to go D1. Congratulations. What made you choose Holy Cross over any other program? I think any college process for any athlete is pretty long and can be pretty uh, pretty difficult sometimes. But I think the academics at Holy Cross and the location is awesome. The campus is beautiful. Um, and the community uh, aspect of it um, and as well, like the liberal arts education is pretty unique. So it has a great alumni networking as well. So it's pretty important. We love future. to tout the alumni network on tours here. It's it's like the thing. I'm a tour guide. I talk about that way too much. Yeah, it's it's, it's great. So let's talk about kind of your being on the rank. Obviously, you're a senior now. What kind of growth have you seen from yourself from when you started at Holy Cross to where you are now? I think as a team, too, the intensity of practices every day has gone up every year. I think, obviously, it's a building program, and being in Hockey East is awesome. The speed is something – it's a huge jump from high school. Obviously, Division One hockey is a huge jump in general in most sports, but uh, especially Hockey East is super fast, and the teams and the players that we're playing against are really talented and skilled. So I think over the past few years um, – it's gotten better every year, which is really fun to see. And, yeah, it's been really fun to be a part of. Yeah, you, you were mentioning you guys are looking better and better every year. We think the breakout's finally happening. How do you feel about this team right now? How do you feel about the youth coming up? How do you feel just in general? You've been doing fairly well against Hockey East opponents so far. Just how do you feel right now? Super excited, honestly. I think that, like, every weekend is just, like, we're, we get hungry and hunger, and we should – we should and will win a lot of games this year which is super exciting and super fun I think we have a really good group of girls everyone's on the same page everyone's just as excited and hungry to win and um, I think our freshmen obviously kudos to them they're awesome they're really fit girls really um, really talented really good hockey players so they're a great addition to the group and uh, yeah I think we're all really excited and just having a good time at the rink every day so it's awesome. Before we start talking about some of your heroics from this season, what are kind of being your favorite memories of hockey before your senior year of high school, or your senior year of college? High school? Yeah, <laughs> I almost said that. 
trying to think. Like, so Fenway last year, obviously, I think the, that was that was really cool. Uh, obviously, the pictures were really cool, but the experience in itself, like family and friends came to that game. It was snowing at warm ups. Like, it was just an awesome environment to be at, and I'd never. I don't think I've ever been at Fenway Park at all. So, um, it's kinda, not quite a hockey stadium, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it was it was really cool. I went back afterwards that spring to go to a baseball game. That's um, better. So it was it was fun to do both, but it was really cool to play against friends as well. At, uh, against BU and beating BU was an awesome feeling because awesome. we we deserved it and we worked really hard for it. So yeah, it was really fun beating them, especially. So. Correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are back there again this year. Uh, no. No. Okay. Someone told me you were. I apologize for being incorrect. That'd be awesome, though. <laughs> no, we'll see. You know, still time for the schedule to change. Uh, so let's now talk about that Brown game. Obviously, first win of the year. You netted the goal that took the game to overtime. You netted the goal that won the game in overtime. What was going on that day? Because you were on a different level. I mean, we had a lot of family and fans uh, in the stadium, and I think that um, our energy throughout the whole game was super consistent, um, which we've been working on, and it's... You know, a lot of things happen in, uh, in the 60 minutes of a hockey game. So I think that we were able to keep on going and not giving up. So I think the whole energy in the locker room on the bench um, and the whole rink was really good and really positive. So we just kept grinding and, yeah, got a couple of rebounds. So it was good. Could also jump in and talk about that Boston College game on Saturday, which was the first time you guys ever recorded two points against Boston College in 16 matches, which is congratulations, first of all. That's that's a huge accomplishment. But I believe you pet, you netted the overtime winner there, too, or the shootout winner. Um, I actually hit the post. Carmen Elliott got the It was Carmen. Oh, one. my yeah, God. I haven't yeah. done my research. It was, no, yeah. it was. We should have won that game for sure. Um, but I'm excited to play. We play them a third time this season, so we should beat them. And I think that we're going to win at least half our games this year. So. Yeah. It's so looking you, good so far, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about kind of the energy. What's kind of your pitch to people at Holy Cross to come out and support you guys this season? I think that everyone that I've told all my friends um, in classes or other teams, like they all come to the game. Like once they do, they even find the time to come to a the game, they all think it's awesome and they think it's super fun. So it, I think, it is probably the most fun sport to watch on campus just because of like how fast-paced it is and how – the size of the heart center really works to you in your favor because it's just so much energy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just people inviting their friends and friends inviting other friends to come up and watch. And once they've watched it once or a couple of times, they think it's super fun and they come back. So, yeah, it's awesome to have their support, too. So you're playing this weekend at the heart center against Northeastern, pink in the rink at uh, 3 p.m. Uh, obviously, a lot of us are going to be there. I will be there. Augie, I hope you're there. I'll be in Texas. You, you will, okay. We'll talk about this later, <laughs> but he will be in Texas. Uh, last thing I do want to mention, you mentioned the freshmen coming up. You mentioned there's a lot of youth on this team. Anybody you think is really going to start breaking out this year, whether it's Reagan Chadwick continuing her domination when she comes back, Lulu Rourke getting on the score sheet. We could talk about Krobo or Gendron. We could also talk about some of the sophomores, Moreau. We could talk about Alexis Perry. Anybody you're expecting to make a huge stride uh, as the season goes on? I think, honestly, as a whole, like, I think the sophomore grade, the freshmen, they're all, like, we have four four freshmen, eight sophomores that contribute largely to the team, uh, and I think, obviously, the sophomores are getting more comfortable with hockey East, and it always, it takes a year to kind of adjust to everything, new culture, new speed, uh, new game level, so I think this, all the sophomores have really stepped up, Casey is awesome, um, she's a, she's the heart of our decor, so she, she's a really talented player, and we're lucky to have her, so... Yeah, and I think Perry's been doing awesome. Um, Alexa, obviously, and Lane Lewis, both my line mates, they're awesome to play with, and they make it really fun. So, yeah, and I think our freshmen are just a great addition to that energy and the talent on the ice. Um, I think they all can see the, the ice very well, and they have a lot of talent. So it's really fun. Yeah, Lane Lewis obviously had a really nice goal against BC on Friday that we originally thought went to you. Just take us through that play real quick, because I do want to talk about that. What happened on that play? Because the PA announcer said it went to you. ESPN, which was me, said it went to you. Uh, what happened there? Yeah, no, honestly, it's so fun every time me and Lane are out there together. We're just always laughing, and we just forget everything that ever happened. So we're both, like, at the end, we're like, okay, you go. And then she refuses to, like, go first. And <laughs> yeah, I was that's like, really not helpful to the ESPN crew. Yeah, and I was like, somebody got to go, because we both were confused <laughs> about who scored the goal, because I think she shot the puck, and it went in the air, and then I was inside the crease and then knocked it in. Yeah, it so, looked like you were playing baseball, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was really fun, but, like, I don't... Like we don't care about that stuff. We just want to win a game. But it was just like so funny because 
every time we like Sally, we just see each other's faces, just like laughing at each other, yeah. and I can't even like breathe. But it's just hilarious. <laughs> that was one of the more funny Sellys I've yeah. ever seen. Just everyone's like, "What just happened? Ha ha ha! All right, you go first. You go first. No, I'm gonna go first. And it took like ten seconds. And like, yeah. all right, I got the call wrong. I guess. Yeah. Well, we really appreciate having you here. Thank you for joining the Seder cast. It's really- uh, honor to have you here. And we wish you the best of luck this weekend against Northeastern. We wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Thank you, Millie. I mean, having a spectacular season. We can't talk about enough. Three goals already, two assists on the season. She talked about a few of those on the podcast, but that's a leader that is really going to help this women's hockey team turn around. And I think that they're going to do something special this year. And I think it's it's not a slow start because they're in games and whether the record makes it look like a slow start. I think this is a team that's on the up up like on the upcoming and they're going to do something impressive this year. I mean, year. you look at just the score sheet that's not great. You got to go to the games and just see the tenacity that they play with and the heart that they play with because that is a team that could very well be 6 and 0 right now. And I mean, I think everyone should listen to Millie. And I think that this is a team where you should go out and support them this year. They're going to be energetic. They're going to be fun and they're going to feed off that energy. So if you want to help them win, your support means a ton to them. So uh, the Holy Cross women's hockey team, they're doing things this year. And of course, women's hockey playing one game against Northeastern at home on Saturday, 3 p.m. Men's hockey have a two game set against RIT. We hope to see all of you there. So let's switch gears to another Fairly successful team on campus. Uh, They've hit a rough patch. The Holy Cross football team falling in a three-point loss to Lafayette this weekend. Uh, They have now dropped a 22 in the standings. Lafayette, I believe, is up to 19. I would talk about this game, but we actually have the broadcast crew for Holy Cross Radio with us today. Augie, you were half of it. Aiden Conold, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Of course. Thanks, guys. Happy to be on. So I want to hear your take on what happened on Saturday because – if you don't look at the final score, the school's kind of treating this like a win, considering Sluka, FCS Offensive Player of the Week, 330 rushing yards, the most by a quarterback. I think that might be history, right? FBS it, it was FCS. In, it was in FCS history, the most rushing yards for a quarterback in FCS history. He was doing all that he could on the ground, um, but the problem was not the rushing for Holy Cross. There's a lot of other issues that we need to address. Absolutely. Holy Cross, you sort of saw, especially the rain sort of affecting some passes. Obviously, Coker, one of um, Sluka's favorite targets, he even had a key drop there in that game. He did come up with some big plays late, but the passing game was definitely affected by the rain. Um, Holy Cross, as you mentioned, they did really successful um, job in the run game. Um, Lots of yards from Sluka, obviously, but Fuller also had a really exceptional game. He ran for about 95 yards, I believe it was, with the score. Um, so good job battle in the trenches with the offensive line. He's coming for that record, too. Jordan's going to break that record this year. I'm calling it. Absolutely. I mean, he's we've what? already seen Coker break a record. Is he like three off now? I think it's, it's close. It's close, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's coming up on it, and especially the single-season record. He's going to blow out of the water. He's going to destroy the single-season record. He's going to probably break the all-time record if he does another year here. Absolutely. Definitely. And Coker also broke another record in that game. I think he broke the all-time receiving yards record also for Holy Cross. So record-setting season so far for quite, for Coker, at least. And um, Coker, obviously, friend of the show, friend of probably everybody on this campus. Yes. It could, we were saying it. It couldn't happen to a better guy. And if we're talking about some of the honors being lauded on these players right now, Jacob Dobbs for the Campbell Trophy. Yes. Nominee, one of 16. That, Guess who else is on that list? Talia Tagovailoa yeah, and Olu awesome. Fashanu. It's, it's, a, it's a good list. Yeah, it's awesome to see Holy Cross getting recognized, not only just in the FCS, but in all of collegiate football. But, yeah, obviously there were records being broken recently on offense, but uh, the defense, they were not breaking any records. They, uh, they were having a tough time stopping that Lafayette running game. Definitely. And you saw Curtis run for around 220 yards, I be- uh, believe it was, just under 230. He did a very successful job um, against Holy Cross. Um, there was a, especially a play late. Um, Lafayette converted on first down. Holy Cross called a timeout. And out of the timeout, Curtis proceeded to run for 41 yards, I think it was, for a score. Um, and not, not just uh, on, the run, on the run game side of things, but Lafayette also did a really good job through the air. Um, their quarterback, DeNoble, he did, a, he did a really nice job. He looked the part. He yeah. really did. So Dean DeNoble, Jamar Curtis. Dean DeNoble, the quarterback. Jamar, Jamar Curtis, the running back. Uh, wide, one of their top wide receivers uh, was Elijah Stewart. Uh, those three all sophomores for Lafayette. 
and they were all the leading receiving, rushing, and passing on the day for Lafayette. So it was a young core that was getting it done against this Holy Cross defense. And like you said, Curtis, 220 yards. I mean, he was he looked like a prime Le'Veon Bell, obviously. Probably not as good as a prime Le'Veon Bell, but he did a really good job of kind of waiting for the hole to open up and letting those massive offensive linemen for Lafayette pave the way for him. And then he would kind of burst right through that hole. And that was something that was, you know, holy crush, they just couldn't stop. I mean, they knew it was coming and they couldn't stop it. And like you said, after that timeout that they took, um, it looked like it was first down or bust. I mean, if they got stopped or if they could get a stop, they would have had a chance down by three with two minutes to go, but they just couldn't get that stop. And Curtis broke out for that 41 yard touchdown and, I mean, there was nothing that they could do. And um, it really started in the first half, though, especially when they fell behind early. They couldn't really get a stop, and Lafayette was getting some stops. And, you know, it was just the defense just unable to get a stop for most of the day. And um, obviously a lot of credit to Lafayette. But the defense, they're trying to battle through some injuries. But they're going to need to continue battling for sure. And, I mean, Devin Haskins, I don't know if we're going to see him again this year. Um, He's rocking a full leg brace right now. So that's a huge loss if he's done for the year. Uh, The rest of the team needs to step up. Uh, This defense, I've been noticing the cracks in the surface for a while now. They've cracked. And I don't know how much of it is losing a bunch of veteran presence in that locker room. I don't know how much of it is the coaching staff moving around a little bit. I just want them to be able to stop a touchdown drive. And they couldn't do it against Lafayette, who, let's just be real, they are a lot better than I thought they would be. Lafayette, phenomenal football team. But Holy Cross has got to do better. And at the moment, they're second place in the Patriot League. If we want playoff football, they need to win out. Yeah, and that includes the game at Army. You know, I mean, that's, that's a really tough game that Holy Cross has coming up at Army on Veterans Day. So another FBS. On opponent. Veterans Day. Yeah, another FBS. Can we even win that game legally? I don't know. But oh, I'll, God. I'll, another FBS opponent that Holy Cross is going to have to face. But, I mean, the, the games, that, I mean, they're not going to get an at-large bid, I don't think, anymore. I think they're going to need to win the conference um, because I think it's, what, the top 24 teams get an at, or make it and. Um, a lot of those are given to the winners of their of respective conferences. So they're going to need to start winning games and trying to win this conference because they're running out of time. Definitely. And even next week against Fordham, they got a, they've got a big test coming up this weekend as well. Fordham's, Am Crusader Cup? Y- yes. Fordham's a very successful team this year. And the Patriot League, they're no joke this year. They're, they're really successful. There's four teams, including Holy Cross, I believe, at or above 500. So it's going to be a tough road ahead, especially Georgetown. The last home game of the year even is going to be tougher than I think a lot of people thought it was at the beginning of the year. With the, They have a really good defense this year, so it's going to be a tough road ahead for Holy Cross. Yeah, absolutely. And Lafayette now 6-1 and one on the season. They're 2-0 and oh in the Patriot League, but they still have some games where Holy Cross could get back in, and obviously Lafayette's going to have the tiebreaker over Holy Cross. So Holy Cross is going to need some things to happen, but like you said, that Georgetown team, it's pesky. Lafayette on the road at Georgetown next week, and they have Fordham as well. They're at home against Fordham, but Fordham's a tough team. So Holy Cross, they're going to need some help, but the season is not over yet, and they are still a very talented offensive football team, and I think the moral of the story is they're going to need to start outscoring their opponents because the defense, it's it's not been – Bad, but there's just been too many holes that have been exploited, and the and these Patriot League opponents are now trying figuring out how to exploit these holes. So, Aiden, really appreciate you coming on for this segment, and uh, we'll see if we can bring you back in the future. But for now, Ram Crusader Cup this weekend at Fordham. If anybody's in New York, go. Uh, I will not be able to go because we are in Worcester. Yeah, and I mean Holy Cross football, and you support. Uh, in the Bronx, 1 o'clock Eastern start time, must-win game if they want to have any chance of making the playoffs this year. You have to beat Fordham, um, and Fordham's a good team, so they're going to have to bring their A game. Let's see what Sluka, Fuller, Coker, and the offense can do, and let's see if the defense can get some stops in the Bronx. So let's now move to the professional segment of the show. Augie is grinning ear to ear because we are, of course, about to start talking about the Diamondbacks and the Rangers in the World Series, which I texted you a few days ago. This matchup would feed families, and we're feeding families. Families are being fed. Families are being fed. We don't have the Phillies. We don't have the Astros. We don't have the Dodgers. We don't have 
any unlikable teams this year. I don't want to hear any complaining about, oh, this is a small market World Series and no one's going to make any money off of it. This is great for the sport of baseball. These teams sucked last year. Yeah, they weren't good last year. They were both horrible in 2021, the year before. The Diamondbacks, 52 and 110 in 2021, and they are in the World Series in 2023. A testament to the general manager, Mike Hayes, and he's just done a fantastic job, you know, building this roster, doing a great job in the draft. The draft is finally coming up. We're seeing players that have been drafted by the Diamondbacks start to make it to the big leagues. Obviously, Corbin Carroll is the one everyone knows about. But let's talk about Alec Thomas playing a phenomenal center field. And, oh, wait, he had a huge home run in game four off Craig Kimbrell down by two in the bottom of the eighth inning. Alec Thomas took an away fastball on a full count and drove it into the pool. I mean, how cool is the pool, by the way? It's great. I mean, how— the hot stadium, you need something like that. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to go to a game in the pool at some point. I'm going to bring you out there. Uh, okay. And we're going to have a good time because I, I, all right. you need to enjoy some Diamondbacks baseball. But the team, they're doing fantastic. I mean, Hazen, he's built a roster that, I mean, it, it, it may not be one of the most talented rosters, but they love each other and they're finding a way to win. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno, the acquisition for those two players in the offseason is really you know, the final puzzle piece, in my opinion, for this for this D-backs roster. Gurriel playing a fantastic left field this season. And, I mean, Gabriel Moreno is one of the best defensive catchers I've seen. I mean, I mean, he made JT Romuto look like the second best defensive catcher in the series. And that never happens. And Gabriel Moreno, I mean, he was throwing guys out. No one wanted to steal on him. He is, honestly, he's been just fantastic. I, I could talk about the Diamondbacks all day. They're my favorite team. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm shocked. I'm shocked that they made it this far. I am surprised, too. I was rooting for them. Um, but I thought, no, it's going to be the Brewers. No, it's going to be the Phillies. They beat both of them. Maybe the Dodgers, they too. They beat the Dodgers. Well, I didn't want the Dodgers. But they beat the no Dodgers. The so Dodgers. Here's what I've been seeing on the internet. Uh, because, as you know, that's where everybody's best information comes from. Uh, this is drawing a lot of comparisons to the Bengals Super Bowl run. Where this is a team with a ton of talent who shot up out of nowhere and they may be a little bit ahead of schedule, but they made it to the show very quickly. And, and I, yeah. I, I think you said something really smart there, which is they play as a team. Like this isn't two superstars raking. This is the entire team playing as a unit. And I think in the baseball playoff, really in any playoffs – you need a team more than you need two really, really game-changing superstars. Right, and obviously Philadelphia, they have all the superstars. They have all the big names. They have the payroll. And the Astros, too. And, I mean, sometimes it just doesn't end up, you know, they don't mesh well together. And I think, obviously, those two teams are extremely fantastic. Like, they're, they're phenomenal teams, right? They have crazy lineups, and they have phenomenal players. And, you know, Trey Turner, Bryce Harper, Kyle Schwarber, that's a – like that's a one two three that like no pitcher wants to face ever, right? I mean Bryce Harper hitting, um, you know like five hundred in the playoffs, and Kyle Schwarber hitting five home runs in just the championship series himself. I mean, th- I mean the, this is a, that's a potent lineup that no one wants to face. But the Diamondback pitchers and especially the Diamondback bullpen, they just shut them down. The Diamondback bullpen did what it needed to do the entire series long. Submariner Ryan Thompson. One of the pickups that nobody saw coming. He was DFA'd from the Rays, but the Dimebacks picked him up. He throws 90 mile per hour sinkers and just gets ground balls and gets outs. Andrew Saulfrank, a rookie out of the University of Indiana, lefty, throws 85 mile per hour curveballs. I don't know how people swing. They continue to swing and miss at them, obviously. You can't swing at that. He's obviously just got some disgusting like look on that curveball to where it looks like a fastball. I don't know. Trey Turner swung and missed at it like 15 times throughout the series because he kept coming in for the Schwarber, Turner, Harper, one, two, three, and he kept doing his job. And then obviously it goes to Kevin Ginkle, the University of Arizona product, just lights out in the series. No one touched him last night. Game seven comes in up by two in the bottom of the seventh inning, gets two pop-ups from Trey Turner and then Bryce Harper to pop up on a fastball. Bryce Harper never pops up on fastballs. Obviously, the two-seam movement on the pitch was fin- just got Harper off of his rhythm. Harper said after the game that's a pitch he would love to have back. I'm sure he would, but moral, but moral of the can't. story is you can't. And then Kevin Geekle goes back out there, strikes out the side in the bottom of the eighth inning, and then Paul Sewell. It's, it's time for Paul Sewell to pitch. It's time for Paul Sewell to pitch. He Lol. comes in. 
He throws that Invisa fastball that nobody can hit for some reason. It's 92, but it just jumps on you. Nobody was able to hit it. And J.K. flies out to Corbin Carroll and the Diamondbacks advance to the World Series. I didn't even realize J.K. was on the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, he's graying in the beard. but He's been graying in the beard for like three years yeah, now. Yeah, but the moral of the story is... Diamondbacks are in the World Series. I am extremely excited because that's a team I've followed all year, obviously. I spent a lot of my summer following the Arizona Diamondbacks every single day and getting upset over their bullpen blowing leads at Oracle Park in San Francisco. But they found a way to win the games when it mattered. Mad Dog Russo went on the air. He said the Diamondbacks win both games in Philadelphia, games six and seven. I will retire from sports broadcasting. And he's now agreed that he'll just wear a bikini on the street of New York with a, sh- with a sign saying, I'm a liar. Okay. Um, but Mad Dog Russo uh, didn't believe – no one believed in the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they found a way to win. And they are going to be headed to Texas on Friday to face the Texas Rangers, who also had an incredibly impressive win over the Houston Astros. I, Let's I talk about to, that uh, for a second. I have to interrupt you and tell you something. We need to take out this pitcher because his spin rate dropped 1.2%, and the x Woba on the second lefty in the order increases by 0079 <laughs> It's time for Paul Sewell to yeah. pitch. Yeah, the Texas memes Rangers. About, yeah, the memes about Paul Sewell have been The D-backs tweeting that graphic was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. All right. We got to talk about the Rangers because this is already running long. Uh, that was just cathartic to listen to, though. Uh, Texas Rangers have a who's who of good players. Yes. And that's an issue for the D-backs because let me just read some of the players on their roster. Nady Evaldi. Yeah. Max Scherzer. Of all these starting game one, by the way. Yeah, no, that's a problem because he's really good in the playoffs. He is really good. And I miss him, but yeah. Jacob DeGrom. Uh, injured. He obviously injured. will not be playing, but injured. on the roster. Um, Jordan Montgomery. Uh, a huge, huge. I don't know talk about. That's the biggest Huge deadline acquisition yeah. for the Rangers. Obviously, Jordan Montgomery was someone that I talked about a lot wanting on the Diamondbacks. Before, I wanted him on the Red Sox. Before the Sater cast started, I was like, Please get Jordan Montgomery. He's in St. Louis. They're not going to win. Trade him to the Diamondbacks. He's an expiring pitcher. The Rangers got him, and now he's in the World Series facing the Diamondbacks. So the Diamondbacks are going to have to rake off him. But keep going. Aroldis Chapman. Yeah, that's getting old. One. Getting old, but he's he's there. He's had some games where he has not looked effective. But Aroldis Chapman is Aroldis Chapman. And then I have two more names I want to tell you. Right, a uh, three actually: Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon. Adolis Garcia. Yeah, those that, are that. This, that's that's like an all star roster. I mean, their lineup is magnificent. They have Nate Lowe as well, and then they have um, they have a uh, they have everybody. Yeah, yeah. They have. You want to talk about Josh yeah, exactly. Jung Jung? How do you say Josh that? Jung? Josh yeah, Jung, the rookie, yeah. the rookie third baseman. Been He's been fantastic. quite good. Been yeah. fantastic. And I was going to say Mitch Garver was the name I was Mitch trying Garver, to think of yes. right there. Uh, he's been doing a lot of the designated hitting because All Star Jonah Heim has been there. Oh yeah, we forgot to name Jonah Heim. Of so course, they've been a like their lineup is really deep. It's really good. Both of these teams they started off really really hot. They were leading their divisions, and everyone's like, when are the Dodgers going to overtake the Diamondbacks? When are the Astros going to overtake the Rangers? It eventually happened, but these teams, they came out. They found a way to come out on top. And, yeah, like I said, the Rangers, obviously, I don't think they have as good of a – they may have better names, but I don't think they have as good of a bullpen as the Diamondbacks do. I don't think they have as good of a team chemistry either. And I don't think they have as good of a team chemistry either, but Dolores Garcia might be the hottest hitter on the planet right now. Garcia is going to rake, and that's the biggest concern for the Diamondbacks right now because they have a good pitching staff, but, I mean, Adolis Garcia just went through – the yeah. Astros. I mean, Zach Gallon, he's going to need to bounce back. He had two not fantastic outings against the Phillies. Um, so he's going to need to bounce back. Obviously, he'll be starting game one for the Diamondbacks against Evaldi. Um, so I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm going to make a biased prediction. I'm going to say the Diamondbacks are going to win in six in Texas. Uh, what are your thoughts? So I have really no horse in this race. Yes, I would love to see Nadia Evaldi get another ring. But at the same time, I would be happy if either team won. I understand you're a Diamondbacks fan, but... It has been so long since we've seen a matchup like this that doesn't include L.A. or Houston. I'll say it doesn't include the Red Sox or the Yankees or any of these traditionally good teams. It's, it's fun. This is a fun It's an understock one. story. This is like the year that the Suns and the Bucks went to the NBA Finals. And the bad guys won. And this could be the year that the Bengals made the Super Bowl. The bad guys won. I think the good guys won this time. And I think the D-backs take it in six. I love that. I, I'm, on, I'm on the snake train. I will be in Globe, at Globe Life Park game two on, uh, on Saturday in Texas. It's a great Texas. stadium, too. And so this will be my first time there, and my job is to make sure the Rangers do not win that game. So I'll do everything that I can to make sure that they hear me. 
um, and that I give all my support to the Diamondbacks. So we'll see how that goes. The Diamondbacks wishing them the best of luck. Four more wins, and they're champions of the world, or I guess of America, but... Uh, America, yeah. yeah. but we'll call it the They world. lost to WBC, but <laughs> yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, but, first time since 2001. Yeah, first time since 2001. First Which time was my in, birth year. First time in my lifetime yeah. that the Diamondbacks have not only made the World Series, they've made the Championship Series, and they win in seven on the road. Um, so we'll see how the World Series goes. Diamondbacks in six. Uh, we're going to be talking more baseball in the next week because I'm sure there'll be a lot to talk about. But um, can't wait for the World Series to start. NFL picks are back. I'm back. I'm getting ready to tank five more selections this week. Uh, I have had a bit of a resurgence lately. If I, we if we look at what happened right now, I think I took the Bills in London. I I did take the Patriots against the Saints, and I don't want to talk about that because we beat the Bills. Yeah, but so, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. You're you're back. Uh, Rocky and I last week we did not take the Patriots over the Bills. So congrats. Uh, yeah, Rocky was a lot of fun. I, I didn't take them over the Bills either. Um, and then we'll talk about the Patriots in a yeah, minute. Yeah, but we we both took uh, we both had some rough weeks. We both took the 49ers. We both took the Dolphins over the Eagles, and we both took oh. uh, the Bills over the Patriots. My so Lord. not a great week for Rocky and I. If you guys listened and were making predictions based off us, I'm sorry. We're gonna be better this week, and we're gonna start with the Jaguars at the Steelers. Of course, Jags and Steelers, a sneaky good matchup. The Steelers are 4-2. Yeah, who thought the Steelers would be 4-2? I didn't. After watching their week one game against the 49ers, I was like, oh, this team is terrible. But then I picked them to win week two against the Browns. So I was like, that's just because they're at home. They're going to win against the Browns. The Browns, they're not going to be able to win on the road. And they're like, they're going to start losing. And then they go into L.A. last week and they beat the Rams. What now, let, let's be real. There was a really bad spot. There was a horrible, that, horrible spot. The horrible spot. We don't want to talk about the officiating last week because it, it was some of the worst I've seen. Horrible spot. But I think the, the Steelers have been slept on. And you look at that defense, first of all. T.J. Watt's going to just destroy anybody in his path. Uh, but then, you know, Kenny Pickett's been pretty solid as of late. George Pickens is developing correctly. They just got Deontay Johnson back. Um, obviously, there are questions about George Pickens being able to separate from receivers and stay healthy. And that's why he didn't go in the first round is because the guy had a torn ACL coming out of Georgia. Uh, but you look at the Steelers right now. I mean, even Najee Harris has kind of been rebounding lately. So we can also just talk about overall Jalen Warren has been getting used more in the offense, yeah, the second-year guy. I mean, Jalen Warren, the second-year running back, is second on the team in receptions with 22. And I mean, PPR that, merchant. I mean, it, it, it just in general, he's doing a great job of, you know, he's kind of their third down back. They like to go to him on third and long sometimes, and he's doing a great job of getting checked down. He's got 165 yards, which is also the second on the team. So Jalen and, Warren yeah. doing a great job. Obviously, George Pickens is – um, is leading the team with 27 receptions for 500 yards. And obviously that's come a lot with Deontay Johnson. And I will hurt. say I love Tyquan Thornton, but Pickens might have been the right move at that point. May, it might have been. We, we'll, we'll see how Thornton pans out. We'll talk about him in a minute. But yes. overall, I like the Steelers. The problem is the Jags are hot too because Travis Etienne has become God. Yeah. Um, I have him in fantasy and I've never been happier. Uh, Trevor Lawrence looks better. The offense as a whole looks better. Christian Kirk having another solid year. Uh, they're not using Calvin Ridley, which unfortunate for Calvin Ridley fantasy owners, but great for Christian Kirk fantasy owners. Uh, but yeah, Trevor Lawrence at the moment, he's already over 1.5K yards in the year. Trevor Lawrence also rushing for 200 yards on the year. Christian Kirk is your leading receiver. Evan Ingram is good again. This is a team who overall, I like them getting hotter and hotter as the year goes on. The defense, of course, is hot and cold. You know, Trayvon Walker is not playing like a first overall pick. Josh Allen is either looking like a great defender or Trayvon Walker every week. Uh, Foyle Lokan's having another good year. He's 81 tackles so far. Devin Lloyd, the second-year rookie, is third in the team on tackles. Uh, This is is, – the defense needs work. They need work. But when you've got an offense that can basically score at will at this point – that's a good thing. The concern is the Steelers' defense is the Steelers' defense. Yeah, and with that being said, I think the Steelers' defense is going to take over in this game. And I think T.J. Watt's going to pressure Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, it's never fun playing in front of those terrible towels. The Steelers are at home in this matchup, and I think the Steelers are going to come away with a victory. I think they're going to keep that not, uh, Jaguars offense at bay a little more than people think. I think they're going to put up some points, and I think George Pickens is going to have another big day. I think Kenny Pickett, as much as I don't want to say it, he looks better. He's getting better, and he's kind of finding a way to lead that offense, not just 
running the ball, but throwing the ball at a pretty high level. So I think the Steelers are going to come in, and I think they're not going to come in. I think the Steelers are going to defend the home turf, and then they're going to win 21-17. to I like that. I actually think I'm going to take the Jags here. Because I think it'll be a, this is going to be sneakily one of the better games of the week. I looked through all the matchups. Not a lot of them are interesting, but this one could have a sneaky game of the week implication. I would like to pick the Jaguars just because of their offense, and so I'm going to pick the Jaguars. I'm going to go uh, 24 to 20. I think I think the Steelers though will be a sneaky wild card caliber team for the rest of the year. Moving on to the next game, the Rams are in Jerry's world against the Cowboys. The Rams, they were supposed to win against those Steelers last week. They lost at home. Was it a bad spot? Yeah, it was, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, but Kenny Pickett was short on fourth and one. Um, but long story short, the Cowboys, they are coming off some not-so-fantastic performances as well. Obviously, Sunday night in San Francisco did not go the way they wanted it to. <laughs> um, but they found a way to win. In Los Angeles against the Chargers, which was big for the Dallas Cowboys. It was one of those, the Cowboys are back games. Um, it's the, the Ram- Chargers. Don't get too excited. Yeah, yeah. Well, everyone gets excited. Come on. Yeah. But it's the Cowboys. But the Rams are in town. Shout out to the random Chargers fan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The yes. totally not paid actor. Yes. She was excited. Um, but long story short, the Rams, if they want to win in Jerry's world against the Cowboys, they're going to have to use Cooper Cup. They did not use two receptions for Cooper Cup last week. Obviously, Puka Nakua had Puka a fantastic Nakua game. Puka God. I think we love Puka Nakua. We're going to get him on this like on Satercast at some point. If we're we gonna, actually do that, we're going to find a way to get. Puka I will Nakua. be blown. Uh, we are the Puka Nakua fan club yeah, right now. Yeah, because uh, that is a great story. It's yeah. He, we love him. Considering the fact that nobody expected him to do anything. Like, I, I have a dynasty fantasy league, uh, mm. and one of the messages in the chat from this summer are, if quote-unquote Puka Nakua finishes anywhere over wide receiver 50, I will print out this message and eat it. He's going to be printing out that message and eating he it. He will be printing so, out that message and eating it. But we can also talk about the Cowboys defense, obviously. Deron Bland is looking the part with, uh, I forget his name, but uh, Stefan's brother, Trevon Diggs. He hasn't been playing for so long. I forgot his name already. He's, uh, he's looking the part. You've got uh, Micah Parsons just destroying everybody he wants. That is a good defense. That is a good football team. The concern is Dak Prescott. It's always Dak. And the coaching. Because I think Dak is a good quarterback. I think he's overhated. But you also can't deny some of those throws need to be better. Uh, Dak Prescott, in my opinion, deserves the hate. I have been on the Dak Prescott hate train for probably four years now. My friend Ari Maddock could tell you that. <laughs> um, I've pretty much talked to him about how much I don't like Dak Prescott for that time. Dak Prescott is not a winning quarterback. He doesn't know how to win. He can win the games where the Cowboys are clearly better than the other team. But when Dak Prescott goes on the road into a hostile environment, he does not play well. I'm not calling the Chargers a hostile environment. It's not a hostile environment. No, they have no fans. Except for the paid actor. Dak Prescott is not the answer. They're in this limbo phase where they go 11-6 and every year. They win one playoff game, and then they get bounced. And Dak Prescott is never going to win a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I'm just saying they need to figure out a new quarterback because Dak Prescott is not the answer. And already has four interceptions on the year compared to his six touchdown passes. Thankfully, he has good players around him like CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard. They're extremely talented. They make him look better than he really is. Dak Prescott is not the answer for the Dallas Cowboys. With that being said, they're still going to beat the Rams this week. They're going to win by a touchdown. They're going to win 27-20. to uh, I am going to disagree again. I want to disagree with you this week because I like the Rams right now. They're mad after last week. They're going to come out with a vengeance here. Uh, wait, is this game at Jerry, Jerry World? Uh, yes. It is at Jerry World. Okay, that changes the score to be a field goal win for the Rams. Who just cut Brett Maher. What am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? Uh, you know what? Cowboys are going to win the game. Yeah, we'll go to the right. Cowboys winning the game. We'll go to – but it's going to be a bad-looking win. It'll be a uh, 27-24 Brandon Aubrey field goal. Dak Prescott is not the answer. Yeah, okay. All Moving right. on. Patriots at the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins obviously coming off a loss last week against the Eagles. Big Patriots. news actually coming out of the Dolphins oh, camp yeah, today with Tyreek Hill probably not playing. Yeah, and they made a they made a uh, trade. The Eagles did. Sorry, I'm I'm off. I'm off here. The, e- off. the Eagles the, trade is completely off topic. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that was from, with the Titans. Kevin <laughs> off Kev, topic. Byard was, was a Titan. Byard to the Eagles has nothing to do with this game. I'm sorry, uh, but we can talk about the Patriots and the Cowboys. Uh, the the Dolphins. We are tired. It has been a long day. Patriots at the Dolphins. The Patriots beat the Bills last week. Nobody saw that coming. Mac Jones, game-winning drive. 
Now, I have. I, I, look what happens when you put him behind an offensive line that knows how to block. Put Michael on when to a tackle. Get Vidarian Lowe off my football team. All right. That's all I have to say. Because when you put him in that position, he can actually ball out. You know, Kendrick Bourne, pretty good at this football thing. Demario Douglas, pretty good at this football thing. I saw each of Tyquan Thornton's 18 routes against. He only got three offensive snaps against the Bills, which what are you doing? He got thrown to on one of them, though. So that is a 33 percentage catch rate on – I'm not even going to try to defend that. Uh, the game before, the Raiders, Tyquan Thornton had 18 routes run. He got open on 16 of them, it looked. Probably 15 to 16. If you give Mac Jones more time in the pocket, which the offensive line rightfully did, you can get the ball out to Tyquan Thornton downfield and he can just go crazy because he is faster than everybody on the field whenever he steps on. But that's my Thornton rant. Here's what I have to say about the Patriots at coming off of this week. I'm happy. I really am. Because not only did you beat a team in your division who's been owning you the past couple of years, you did it with a last-minute drive from Mac Jones, and you made Mac look like he did in his rookie year. And that is the biggest compliment I can give to them right now. Considering I don't know if they're going to win this game against the Dolphins. I don't. But what I do know is I think this game proved that the biggest problem on your team is not Mac Jones. Mac Jones may be part of the problem. He is not the problem. And the offensive line and who he's throwing the ball to just need to be better. We can also talk about Devontae Parker against the Raiders dropping a ball that very much would have won them that game against the Raiders. This team has some problems. Quarterback may be one of them. I'm not going to immediately turn into a Mac Jones defender. But the problems rely on the offensive line right now. And if you fix that line, you give Mac his time, you get the receivers to get open – Kendrick Bourne's having a good year. Douglas gets open. Thornton gets open. I don't see a a situation where if the offensive line isn't kicking, Mac Jones can't look like he used to look before his confidence got ruined. Yeah, I mean, I I love that you're defending the Patriots. I mean, obviously, it's a huge win, right? And I went on the podcast with Rocky last week, and I talked pretty much about how bad Mac Jones was at football. Um, But obviously, I'll I'll take that back a tiny bit. I don't think – He's great, but I do think he just doesn't have weapons he around him. He needs help. He needs help. And you're you name some of these guys, but like Kendrick Bourne, like he's he's fine, but Look, he's, he's a wide receiver too. But yeah, you exactly. need a wide receiver. Exactly. One. You need someone who can open up the middle. Juju of the field. Smith Schuster. Juju is worthless. Not like good at all. Juju is the worst receiver. And that's in why. And that's why. Like I guess I do have to give a little bit of credit to Mac Jones because he doesn't have help around him, and uh, and Ramondre Stevenson hasn't really been great. Zeke he look, Elliott, he looked much better against. He's getting better. They're getting Buffalo. better. There was um, that, but with, they were also banged up. With that being said, the Dolphins are going to route the New England Patriots. I'm sorry, it's not going to be close. It's going to be like a 35 to 10 game. Um, it's going to be a bounce-back game for the Dolphins. It's going to be a letdown game for the Patriots. Um, Mac Jones just doesn't have enough weapons around him to keep up with that Dolphins offense. Yeah, I don't think we expect to win this game because it's also in Miami. We just can't win in Miami. Um, but I don't think it's going to be as bad of a loss as you expect because, remember, Tyreek Hill's going to probably not play. Raheem Mostert was out of practice today. I think if they're banged up enough on offense, it won't be a very high-scoring game. Because remember what happens to the number one receiver on whoever the New England Patriots play. J.C. Jackson is back to his Patriots form. He's been good. Aside from a couple bad penalties here and there, he's been excellent. He's not burnt toast anymore. No, he's getting much better. And I was and I was, I was was wrong about him. He needs to be in the right scheme. Our J.C. Jackson hate is gone. He's a scheme fit. We're a Puka Nakua fan club and a J.C. Jackson. We're not hating on him anymore. Correct. I think the Patriots will lose this game. However, I think they will lose it in a very close manner. It'll be fairly low scoring, assuming Tyreek Hill's not going to play, which if you listen to the press conferences today, he's not playing. To, he's not playing on Sunday. Above my pay grade, he's not playing. <laughs> uh, I think they're going to lose, but I think it will be 23-20, to 20, and I think the Patriots will look at it as a moral victory just because this is a team that will probably look better than it has in the past couple of weeks. Joe Burrow is headed to San Francisco. What's uh, going on with the Niners? Yeah, I mean. Two straight. Brock Purdy. 
That does not look good. He's getting a lot of blame. I don't Brock think Brock Purdy's in the concussion protocol, so yeah. he won't play. Yeah, so, so he's getting. All, I, I just want to talk about how he kind of got a ton of blame for the last two weeks, and I, I don't think that's really purely on him. He I hasn't mean, looked. Yeah, great. he hasn't looked great, but don't get me wrong. He's a fantastic quarterback, and regardless of what people say, he has really good weapons around him. But he's done a great job in finding those weapons. Brock Purdy is the answer for the San Francisco 49ers. Don't jump to conclusions. Just because he had two losses in a row does not mean that he's a bad quarterback. He may not play this week against the, the Bengals, and they're going to bring their talented offense, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, T. Higgins and company, into San Francisco. And I think it's going to be closer than people think, but I think the San Francisco 49ers are going to get right game for them, especially against a good team in the Bengals. The Bengals obviously are a good team. Regardless of their record, the Bengals are a good team. The Bengals are not a team you want to play because Joe Burrow looks mobile again. He's running well again. He did it against the Cardinals when Jamar Chase had three touchdowns in it, like 15 receptions. And yes, Jamar Chase was open. Let's just say that. Jamar Chase was open. He said he was open, and he was open. We can't repeat what he said on the podcast. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just repeating the gist of it. But long story short, Jamar Chase was open. The Bengals, they're a good offense. The Niners defense... Dre Greenlaw and company, Fred Warner, they're just absolutely fantastic. My Brophy alum, um, Isaiah Austin, um, was on that team as well. Or excuse me, Isaiah Oliver, not Isaiah Austin. Isaiah Oliver uh, on that team as well. The San Francisco 49ers defense is going to shut down the Bengals. They're going to win it 24-13. to So I would agree with you, but the Niners are starting Sam Darnold most likely. And just for that reason, I can't pick them to win this game. It's gonna be a def- it's gonna be the Niners defense winning the game. It's, it's gonna be the, the offense. It's gonna be the Niners defense doing. But their Sam best. Darnold has Christian McCaffrey, and uh, Sam Darnold you know, has I, played with Christian McCaffrey before on the Carolina Panthers, and obviously this is chemistry that they're going to have, and I think they're going to be able to exploit that just enough to win the game. And Christian McCaffrey is going to account for all three touchdowns that the Niners are going to score. So I'm going to pick the Bengals. Uh, I think the Niners skid continues. I still think they're one of the best teams in the NFL, but they need to get right. Uh, I don't think it'll happen in this game just because, yes, Christian McCaffrey is great at football, but your quarterback is Sam Darnold. Um, that's the most important position on the field. I'm not a Sam Darnold hater, but he's not good enough to beat the Bengals. Uh, I think the Bengals win this one. It'll be 27-20. All right. So finally, we move to Monday Night Football where the Lions are hosting their first Monday Night Football game in ages. So Detroit Rock City is going to be rocking. Uh, shout out Kiss. Um, but long story short, the Raiders are coming into town. What? Yeah. Um, long story short, the Raiders are coming into town, and the Lions are coming off a horrendous, and I mean horrendous, loss against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, 38-6. to Lamar Jackson was running all over them in the Ravens' defense. They just were not giving an inch. Uh, Jared Goff did not look himself. Amon Ross St. Brown did not look himself. Uh, put up 20-something fantasy points, though. So. Yeah, he put up fantasy points, but... Didn't like, look himself, though. Yeah, didn't look himself. I mean... Fantasy points does not mean you look yourself. Yeah, the, the thing with the, the Lions last week is I'm willing to write that game off if they can bounce back. I agree. I no, think I the, and I think they're agree. in a perfect position to bounce back, so I'll make this one quick. I think the Lions do bounce back. I think Dan Campbell will be coming for kneecaps if they don't. Uh, it will be a very good outing from the Lions. It will be 33-17 to 17 in favor of the Lions. And by the way... Devontae Adams is not happy. When you have an angry Devontae Adams with Jacoby Myers getting a bigger target share, something's not going right in Vegas. Yeah. And, and Brian, I, I, yeah. I wish Jacoby was still a Patriot. Yeah, and Brian, Brian Hoyer is not really the solution that you want. Um, maybe they're going to go to Aiden O'Connell, uh, the quarterback out of Purdue. We'll see what the Raiders do. Regardless, this is a bounce-back game for the Lions. Regardless of if they got blown out last week. Jameer Gibbs, he looked good. Obviously, they didn't have David Montgomery. Gibbs looked good, finally. So we'll see if they continue to use Gibbs. I think they will continue to use Gibbs. I think Gibbs is going to get into the end zone once, maybe twice. I'm going to make that claim right now. And Sam Laporta, he's going to be back. Sam Laporta is going to kind of dissect this Raiders defense. And the Raiders are not going to be able to get it done in Detroit. Uh, the Lions are going to win. They're going to win. I like your 33-17. The Raiders aren't putting up 17. So I'll say the Lions won't put up 33. It'll be 27-10. to 10. Sounds good, Augie. Great episode. Uh, another fantastic episode. The Dimebacks are in the World Series. The Dimebacks are going to win the World Series, and we're going to talk about it next week. And, of course, thank you to Millie Serum once again for joining us on the show. Thank you to Aiden Conold for joining us for a segment. It's always been fun. We will be back next week for more sports content. Keep it locked. Yeah, Halloween edition next week, but uh, episode 7 in the books. We'll see you again we're for doing Satercast episode 8. We're doing a Halloween edition? We're doing a Halloween edition. Oh, boy. Just tune in.